It's Bad History! Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Bad History. Bad History. My name is Steven, and I am joined as always by Dave. And Dave, this is episode number 26. 26! Of Bad History. I cannot believe we are on episode 26. Uh, By the way. Yeah. We're back. We're back! We're back! We're back! We're back! We're back, baby. Oh, we're back. We are back. We are back. Did you miss us? I missed us. I didn't miss us. Okay. Well, I I believe it. Uh, So we are back for season two of Bad History. We just concluded 25 episodes plus like three history hangouts. So this week, to welcome us back in to kind of get the ball rolling on season two, we are doing what turned out to be a really fun topic. We are going to be talking about famous prison breaks. Woo, 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 woo. Prison breaks. <sighs> I'll edit in some sound effects. Okay, cool. <laughs> or keep mine. I like yours better. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the last thing was a cell door close. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad you told me because I did not know. Okay. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about famous prison breaks, and uh, I think we got some good good ones planned for you this week. Some some pretty some pretty crazy stuff, uh, but this is season two. Season two is going to be a little bit different than season one, I would say. Uh, a little bit more polished, a little bit more professional, a little tighten up, a little we'll tight, s- tighten it up. We just got to keep it a little steady. Squeeze it in, <laughs> squeeze it on it. But in all seriousness, our biggest thing is we just want to kind of keep improving and making the show as best as it can be. As you can tell, our personalities haven't changed at all. Dave still gives me a colossal load of shit. Uh, uh, We still make jokes. We still, you know, it hasn't changed at all. We're just making everything a little bit more professional in terms of the sound quality. Uh, Stuff you're going to be noticing, right? Do we want to take like a a moment of silence to listen to 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 what we got going on in the background? Oh yeah, what? Ooh, that's some nice, uh, some piano. Okay. No, that that not that song. We couldn't afford that okay. song. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but 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 like so so it's gonna be th- things like that and other things that I'm sure you've noticed by now that have kind of uh, changed a little bit about the show. But in terms of what we're talking about, the way we do things, that's not changing at all. It's still us, baby. We definitely still didn't add us. that music to hide possible audio fuck ups. Hey. Hey, hey, that's a that's a behind the curtain thing, Dave. <laughs> anyway, anyway, uh, so Dave, how was your time off? My time off was pretty great. I didn't have to do this stupid show or mm-hmm. talk to you. So I just hung out and did other things, anything which would be better than this. How about you, Steven? Did you enjoy your month away? I did. Me? I, I, I did enjoy I cried myself to sleep every night knowing that I wasn't gonna get talk get to talk to you um yeah. on a weekly basis because that is the only time we talk is for about an hour when we record this show um so that that was not great for me uh, but besides that I bought a PlayStation Four so that's fun that's fun stuff yeah <laughs> <laughs> that was my time off um. But anyway, Dave, should we just kind of like jump into this thing? Like, let's just yeah. do it. Let's just let's do, do it. it. Let's just play do the it. music. Let's play the music. <laughs> do, 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 do. 
Okay, Steven, I got a really good one for you today. I'm excited. Let me hear it. All right. So the prison escape, the jailbreak that I chose is a pretty famous one. It's the Libby prison escape and the story of Colonel Thomas E. Rose. So a little background on the Libby prison escape it took place in Richmond, Virginia during the Civil War. The war between the states. The war of northern war aggression, damn of it. Northern aggression. <laughs> We're nothing civil about it. So a little background on the the building, the prison itself. Um, so this guy named Luther Libby, he owned and operated this business called L. Libby and Son Ship Chandlers. And it was a shipping supply company, so like boat shit, whatever. And so <laughs> At the beginning of the Civil War, Confederate soldiers <laughs> evicted him, evicted Luther Libby, and repurposed his warehouse that Libby used as a storefront. And they used it as a prison. But they were too lazy, because it's the South, to remove the sign for the business. And they were just like, okay, yeah, this is the Libby prison, I guess, because that sign is up there with like some really hard fucking glue, and I don't feel like getting the ladder out. So... Libby Prison. And Libby Prison began operations in March of 1862, right in the smack dab middle of the war. And it eventually became a captured Union officer's processing center and jail. Uh, the warehouse itself was selected because it was extremely secure. It was very fortress-like. And it was even deemed inescapable <laughs> well, we'll, see, we'll see about that <laughs> so the warehouse it, it was huge right it covered an entire city block in Richmond holy shit and it was uh, like it was on three sides part of the city but it was backed up against the James River and it was three stories tall with a basement and the prisoners were held on the second and third floors so they could just like you know walk out or whatever sure also, it was painted white so as to make any person walking by instantly visible. Like, fuck, there's a guy standing oh, out. Nice. Up against the wall. Um, also, the Libby prison had a reputation for being kind of uh, having had harsh conditions, I should say. Um, the prisoners were constantly exposed to the elements. There wasn't a lot of... Uh, you know, the, the Confederates didn't really care too much about keeping the Union officers warm. Or alive. Against the snow, or, or alive. Uh, food shortages were really common. And through different periods of the war, the prison experienced overcrowding as well as disease outbreak. But the most in interesting aspect of the prison uh, was the basement. So part of the basement that was once a kitchen was constantly being flooded by the James River. This area was abandoned and partitioned off by the Confederate soldiers, and it was known as Rat Hell. Stephen, would you like to take a guess as why it was known as Rat Hell? Um, is it because they had an over-infestation of snakes? That's right. So there was this little rat who put on this red suit and had a pitchfork. And he used to take the souls of all the other rats and he would torture them indefinitely. Only the Catholic ones. Though. And, this, and <laughs> <laughs> so, Oh, that's right. Off to such a good start. 
So it's rat hell because there's a lot of fucking rats, right? <laughs> so the floor of this basement was covered in two feet of rotting straw that the rats lived in. And the Confederate prison guards did their best to just, like, stay away from the basement. Just, like, avoided the section completely. They're like they're like given the tour of the base of the uh, of the prison and they're like what's what's in there? Oh, we, we do not go. We there. don't go in there. <laughs> we don't fucking go down there. And that is why, Stephen, this is our exit strategy. We do have like great heist music. Yeah, don't we do. <laughs> like fucking Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> okay, now the story. Of the main man, the hero, Colonel Thomas E. Rose. Thomas Rose was of the 77th Pennsylvania Infantry, and he was wounded and captured by the Confederates at the Battle of Chickamauga. He arrived at the prison on October 1st, 1863. Walks in, immediately makes friends with this other guy named Major A.G. Hamilton. I could not find out what ag stood for i have a fucking article on how he was assassinated in 1895 but it doesn't say what ag stood for so if you find that out let me know it's it's it stands for ag yes a y y g e e homer j simpson so (laughs) alongside major ag hamilton rose began to search for an escape route and began to playing uh organizing irritations i would call them like pranks i guess on the confederate guards so this prison sounds awesome no no it's (laughs) it's very great escape ish so like one prank was to have inmates uh act as multiple prisoners like take on multiple numbers during roll call to mess up the count and force the Confederates to start over and do it like four or five times because they'd have five, like hundred more prisoners than they were supposed to. That's have. awesome. Um, and one day while they were just fucking around, they found Rat Hell, and they did this by removing a stove on the first floor and finding a very small hole that led into the basement. So after finding Rat Hell, Rose decided that this was the most likely avenue of escape based on the area's reputation and the overconfidence of the guards that no one could ever escape Libby. And the Rat Hell operation seemed unlikely to be discovered because of this. So, the escape. How'd they do it? Like everyone else, they tunneled. Three teams of diggers were organized. Um, So they would, like, trade off so that nobody would get caught. They would have one team looking out, the other would be a relief team, and then the others would be in the dirt. And once the earth was removed, they had to hide it. Now, where could they hide all of these rocks and all this dirt? They hid it in the straw. And um, a lot of these records from this escape said that the straw was both a blessing and a curse for their escape effort. It was, like, gross and rotting and disgusting, but they could pack the moved earth underneath it and nobody would find it or question it. Now, for 17 days straight, without stopping, the teams digged in complete darkness, without tools, and covered head to toe in rats. Nice. So, one officer on board, Lieutenant Charles H. Moran, wrote, No tongue can tell 
how the poor fellows passed among the squealing rats, enduring the sickening air, the deathly chill, the horrible, interminable darkness. And years later, Colonel Rose himself wrote about the darkness of the tunnel, saying, The profound darkness caused some to become bewildered when they attempted to move about. I sometimes had to feel all over the cellar to gather up the men that were lost. But after the 17 days, the team broke through a tobacco shed on the other side of a 50-foot vacant lot next to the prison. Fucking freedom. Nice. But, as you know, you can't just make a break for it. Right. You gotta plan it. So, on the night of February 9th, 1864, the mass escape of Libby Prison was executed. The officers escaped the prison in groups of two and three, crawling through this very narrow and tiny tunnel to the tobacco shed and simply walking out of the front gate. So the tunnel was far enough away from the prison so as not to draw attention. And one of the main things people cite as the reason this escape worked is the guards were so sure that the prison was inescapable. Like, they weren't looking for anybody to escape. They were just guards. They were really nonchalant about the whole guarding prisoners shit. And at one point, while Colonel Rose was escaping, he accidentally walked into the path of an oncoming guard coming to work. And it is said that the colonel, unflinching, strode boldly past the guard, unchallenged and unnoticed. Nice. So... In the end, 109 Union officers escaped the prison that night and snuck through the dark streets of Richmond and headed north. 109 fucking guys just walked out of prison and nobody stopped them. That's awesome. The Union officers remaining in the prison under the leadership of Colonel Harrison C. Hobart hid the escape route and stayed in hopes of giving the escapees more time before the guards realized what happened. And these guys are sort of the secret heroes of this operation. And they're not named, and we don't know anything about them. But these were guys that had the opportunity to escape as well, but decided to stay and, like, hole off the tunnel and act as if nothing had happened so that the other guys had a better chance of getting out. So, good on those fucking Yeah, it's very guys. cool. Um... So by the time the morning roll call had come up, 109 prisoners short, the escaped prisoners had been on the run for nearly 12 full hours. So in a frenzy, the Confederates at the jail sent word to all the camps and stations of the escaped prisoners headed to the Union line, and they began, uh, like, searches and blockades, and, like, you know, they were like, head them off of the pass, I hate that cliche. Yeah. You know, that bullshit. But, so, the aftermath of this... Of the 109 Union officers that escaped Libby Prison, actually, sadly, 48 were recaptured and two drowned in the James River while escaping. That's still less than half, so more than half got away, but Colonel Rose himself was one of the recaptured officers. And it's a really tragic story. So he was caught only minutes away from the advancing Union forces at Williamsburg. And he was brought back to Libby and locked up in solitary confinement. But here's the best part. 
he was feared to be too dangerous to be kept at Libby, so he was immediately traded to the Union forces for a Confederate colonel. That's awesome. We don't fucking want this guy. Get him the fuck out of here. It's like a liability. Yeah, and then Colonel Rose immediately returned to the 77th Pennsylvania Infantry where he was and continued fighting until the end of the war. Holy shit. Yeah, so the Libby prison escape also deeply threw Richmond into total chaos. Um, There's a lot of really funny stories about the reaction from the town and the reaction of the guards. Um, One of them written by Lieutenant Colonel Cavada, a Union prisoner, and uh, he retold some of the, like, funny events of the nervous Confederate prison guards. So one evening, for example, the entire prison was woken up, pulled out of their beds in the middle of the night for an emergency roll call because a guard saw his own shadow in a sewer drain and thought it was an escaping. Nice. Uh, Cavadal also wrote, Really? When our distracted little commandant, Confederate Warden Major Thomas P. Turner, now comes into our rooms, he keeps his knees well together. It is necessary to be very cautious. Some of us might slip out between his legs. (laughs) So that is the story of the Libby Prison Escape from Richmond, Virginia during the Civil War. And it's a pretty epic sort of like mass exodus of these Union soldiers. And I kind of like play the the music from uh, The Great Escape and it's like a somewhat comedy movie yeah because they don't really get in any trouble for pulling these pranks on the confederates they're just like like, it's very much not a concentration camp story (laughs) even though a lot of people would say libby was a concentration camp do you know what i mean yeah it's 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 just a little light-hearted like all these soldiers just walk out hand in hand and sneak by the guards (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's 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 i love what i love most about this whole thing is that these these prisoners just kind of had like the run of the second and third floor, like it was just like they just like <laughs> locked them up there, and it was just like let them do whatever. Yeah, they're just like if they're up there, they can't get down. Right, exactly. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh. they're just like lifting weights, yeah, <laughs> like Aryan Brotherhoods or whatever. I don't know. They have like the the guy who just like controls a whole block of cells. He can just get you anything yeah, you need. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Need cigarettes? Need cigarettes? I got you cigarettes. I got you cigarettes. Oh, damn, dude. Good scrolls, man. That was great. Thanks a lot. First new good scroll. Yeah! First good scrolls of the season. Ding, 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 ding. And you didn't forget. I didn't forget. I wasn't going to. I'm not going to forget right this on. season. Okay. That's my we'll promise see. to you. Um, Fuck it, see. Yeah. But actually, it's interesting. My sister is moving to Richmond in August because uh, she's going to she's, she's going to college up there and so I might when I uh, go up there to visit her I might have to see if uh, do you know if Libby prison is still around if it's like a museum now or whatever I think it it's like edifice is still there do you know what I mm-hmm. mean like it, it's definitely not um, still intact and in shape I think it might have some kind of historical marker definitely okay but i don't think the building itself is still there i might be wrong if it is take a picture yeah i'll put it up put up put it up on the page and (laughs) all right steven i'm ready to hear your prison escape story all right let's let's do this very appropriate jazz (laughs) 
All right, Dave. Let's hear it. So, my prison escape story is about Action Jack Shepard. Fuck. From Lost? Yeah, that's what I... Right? I was I was like, <laughs> who am I going to do? We have to go back! <laughs> Jack Shepard? Why do I know that name? Oh, right, right, right. No, so this is about Jack Shepard, who was a uh, British thief during the 1700s. Dude, um, fuck yes. Uh, Shepard is one of the most notorious thieves in history, mostly due to the fact that he was able to break out of jail a total of four times. Fuck yes. Really, five if you count the fact that he broke someone else out of jail. I think that counts. I would say I that counts. RBIs count. Right, yeah, I would say that counts. <laughs> so he, he, was able to, he was able to put on a prison break a total of five times. Um, God damn. And what's really interesting about Jack Shepard is that even though he was a criminal and a thief, he was still considered a folk hero. Um, and in fact, Daniel Defoe uh, is believed to have written his autobiography, written, believed to have ghostwritten his autobiography. And this is the same dude who wrote Robinson Crusoe. So, oh, nice. yeah, so like a very much an accomplished writer. Uh, and so because of this, because he has an autobiography, uh, we know a lot about his life. And so Jack Shepard was born into a very poor family where kind of from the very beginning, everything kind of just like really went wrong for him. Uh, everyone around him just sort of seemed to die. Uh, <laughs> that happened. yeah, well, first of all, he was named after an older brother who had died before he was born. Shit. And then at a, at a very young age, his father died. And then two years later, his sister died. And because his mother could not support him and his herself and his younger brother, he was sent to this workhouse where he was uh, apprenticed with a chairmaker. But shortly after he started working with his chairmaker, his master died. Well, so there goes your job, right? <laughs> and eventually, so eventually, he found himself working for yet another carpenter, and he became his official apprentice. And Shepard was apparently really, really good at carpentry. He was really good at what he was doing. Um, and he was showing a lot of great promise from a very, very early age. And this was a seven-year apprenticeship that he signed into. And uh, so for the first few years, he was—he really seemed like he was going to make a, a good career out of it. Um, but then he got that, uh, that sweet devil's water running through his veins. Uh, <laughs> so Shepard started hanging out at a local tavern called the black lion of drury drury lane oh first one of the new season dave dude is that the drury lane where the muffin man lives uh i think it's is it drury or dreary i think it's drury drury lane that makes sense it does take place in london uh so he starts he starts hanging around this this tavern called the black lion of drury lane and kind of got roped into a life of crime uh, and in, in his autobiography, he blames it on alcohol and women, and not just the fact that he wanted to be a criminal. And as you're going to see, this dude wanted to be a criminal. Uh, <laughs> so at the tavern, he was so good at it. Yeah, right. At the tavern, he meets three very important people, or are going to be very three very important people in his life. The first was this, was this guy named Joseph Blueskin Blake, who was going to eventually kind of be his right hand man and partner. The second was Elizabeth Lyon, who was a prostitute who ends up falling. He ends up falling in love with her and they end up getting married. 
And the final one is Jonathan Wild, who is pretty much just like Fagin of all the thieves in the area. He's pretty much just like, like have you seen Oliver Twist? You... Uh, yeah, long time Okay, ago. so like Fagin is the is like the weird dude who has the house with all the little thieve boys in it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, he's yeah, just like the thieve boy master. That's pretty much who Jonathan Wild is. He's pretty much uh, the Fagin of, of all the thieves in that area of London. I gotcha. Uh, so Lion was very much an instigator for Shepard. Uh, she was the one who really encouraged him to step into a life of crime. And, if, and first it started out as kind of just petty theft. He was stealing uh, silverware, uh, you, you, small items, things like that. But eventually, as he started to realize that he'd get away with all this stuff, he started to really up his scale. And he, he transitioned to full-on burglary. Where he was uh, full on, on burglar, burglary, <laughs> full on burglary. He went the full Bilbo Baggins on that one. He did. Uh, so first, it was just him uh, robbing houses that he was working in because he was a carpenter, and it eventually transitioned to him and Lion, and then occasionally Blueskin breaking into houses altogether. Uh, but he was able to kind of stay out of the potential list of uh, culprits because he was a carpenter, because he was a tradesman. So no one suspected it was him because here's a guy who had a promising career. So why would it be him? Um, but uh, so he's able to stay out of, out of, out of the kind of suspect list. And, uh, but unfortunately for his wife, uh, Elizabeth in 1723, she was arrested. And so Shepard goes to try to see her and he's refused access to her. And so this kind of pisses, his off, pisses him off. So he decides that he's just going to break her out of jail. So literally what he did is he breaks into the prison and breaks her out. Nice. And they do it. They get away. And they kind of disappear into the streets of London. And so in 1724, Shepard is arrested for the first time. He commits a burglary with Lion and with his brother Tom. And Tom is caught. Um... Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> Shepard and Lion managed to get away, but Tom is is caught, and he had already been convicted once of uh, thievery. And so, uh, back in that time period, what they would do is if you were con- uh, convicted of being a thief, you would get branded on your hands or on your arm or something like that. And it's literally just a like a brand that says that you were a thief. So like, if you think of in the first pirates of the Caribbean movie, you, Jack Sparrow has the pirate branding on his arm. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? It's pretty much the same thing. Yeah. So, nice. so they know Tom is a criminal because I, I, as we've met said before, fuck record keeping. And so you know, Tom's got a fucking teardrop yeah. <laughs> on his face. So this is like how they know if you were arrested before. So he's so so this is the second time Tom is arrested. He's no he he can already uh, hear that hangman a calling, and he's very aware that he faces the death penalty um, uh, unless he gives them something. So Tom pretty much just spills the beans on his brother, and uh, Shepard is arrested and placed in the top floor of what is kind of is pretty much a jail. It wasn't really. It wasn't really a prison. Uh, it was just kind of a holding place for criminals before gotcha. they got transitioned. So, um, so he's held on the top floor of there. But Shepard is only in jail for three hours. He what he does, and this is awesome. He breaks through the wooden roof and lowers himself out of his cell using get this shit a rope made out of sheets. Oh yeah. 
That's the way to That's do it. That's the way to do it. Fucking not those motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, straight up. And what kind of follows is, like, really completes the comic book-esque scene. As he yeah. lowers himself onto the street, a crowd starts to form because they hear someone breaking through a fucking roof. And <laughs> Shepard, who's still in handcuff, handcuffs, he's in the middle of the crowd, and he points to his shadow in the corner and he on the roof, and he yells, I see him over there! And the crowd looks up, and he just takes off. <laughs> Jesus it's awesome. Christ. It's awesome. That's one of those <laughs> things that, like... If it was in a movie, it wouldn't be funny. It would just be corny. Right, exactly. You know I mean? exactly. But you'd have to put it in this guy's, like, autobiography. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, not soon after that, Shepard's arrested for a second time when he gets caught pit-pocketing someone. Um, so, well. he's put in jail, and this is hilarious. He's all, all of these scenes of his arrests are just, like, hilarious. So, he's caught pit-pocketing someone, he's put into jail again. And, he, and Elizabeth goes to visit him. And when she goes to visit him, the guards recognize her as his criminal wife. And so they just throw her in jail with him. Aww. Just, like, throw her in the cell with him. And uh, so what do they do? They decide to break out. And they use, you guessed it, a rope made out of bed sheets. Dude, fuck this guy. Yeah. <laughs> he's got no style. He's got no style. Point. Or maybe he's got, like, great style. <laughs> um. So what they decide to do is that they knock out a bar in one of the windows and just kind of lower themselves down. You know, jails weren't made how they are today. No, you know how no. people say like it's not made how it used to be. I think jail I think is the, like opposite. The, end of that. They 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 didn't make them with the same pride as they do now. Was the jail made of fucking ice? Yeah, right. <laughs> just fucking breathe on it. Just made. It's just made of like really shitty wood. Uh, oh. And so they just like hop the f- they hop the wall and like bail, um, and so this this escape is really what makes Shepard famous because apparently uh, there's this cartoon going around that's apparently comical because Shepard himself is pretty small he's about five six and he's really kind of skinny small dude and apparently Elizabeth is a pretty like hefty woman. And oh, so there's yeah. this hilarious cartoon of Shepard, like, lowering down Elizabeth out of the jail cell. <laughs> and so it's, it's so he kind of becomes this, like, myth. And uh, and Jonathan... Wa- that's a punch comic. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Yeah, yeah, do it. So Jonathan Wilde, pretty much Fagan. I'm going to be calling him Fagan for the rest of the show. Uh, <laughs> okay. Is super impressed by Shepard and wants him to start fencing all of his goods through him. And Shepard refuses and really, really piss, pisses off Fagan. And so he decides to just kind of have him arrested. So Shepard goes into hiding, but his wife Elizabeth doesn't. And so Fagan's strategy, and it's a pretty good one, is to just get Elizabeth super drunk in the hopes that she'll tell him where Shepard is. And this works. Uh, there you go. So Elizabeth gets, you know, shit housed and uh, tells. <laughs> tells Fagan where Shepard is and uh, Shepard's arrested and convicted and actually sentenced to death um, because this is the uh, third time that sh- that 
that Shepard's arrested. So they're just like, we should just probably kill this dude. And so the day before he's about to be hung, Elizabeth goes to the prison, distracts the the guards, and Shepard uses this opportunity to again loosen a bar out of the window and just jump out. Did they, like, let him have a fucking wrench? I do not know. But he was smuggled out of the city, dressed up as a woman. And he leaves London. There you go. So, now, this is his third prison escape where he's broken himself out. His fourth one just as a prison escape. I know he's got another one. Well, and a sensible man would have never stepped foot in London again. But Shepard is not a sensible man. (laughs) And only stays out of the city for a few days. And it doesn't take long before he's arrested again and put into this crazy, crazy secure cell. And this dude is, like, insane. He's he's in pretty strenuous, like, locks and chains. And what he does is he tells the guards how easy it would be for him to break out of the chains. And, in fact, he just kind of, like, finds a nail and picks the locks and shows the guards how easy it is for him to escape. So the guards are like, cool, buddy. We'll just put more locks on you. And so they just, like, have him super secured. And at this point, he's almost more myth than man. And so he really gets hundreds of visitors coming in because they kind of want to see what this guy's about. Uh, And several times he tries to escape, and all the times they're thwarted by the guards. They find files on him. They find lockpicks on him. They find knives on him. The whole kind of gamut of things. And eventually what ends up happening is that there's this huge distraction over at the courthouse, which is right next door to the jail. And uh, Fagan, who is Jonathan Wild, uh, <laughs> is... That's Fagan. Ha- yeah, it's not Jonathan It's Fagan. Uh, has a reputation, well-received reputation, of if he doesn't like you, he snitches on you. And so That's he's right. at courthouse snitching on someone who who used to work for him, this dude produces a knife and slits Fagin's throat. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> the best part about this is that Fagin survives, but is... Hey, dude, did he get stitches? I would assume. Dude, that's... Snitch. Yeah, dude, snitches get stitches, man. Um, <laughs> but the best part is that his whole empire crumbled un- around him because he was, like, super injured. Anyway... Uh, so this huge distraction happens at the courthouse because the dude's throat just got slit. And um, he uses this distraction to break out now of prison. That was my moment. <laughs> yeah. So using another nail that he finds, he's able to pick his cuffs and unchain himself from the floor. He then breaks another bar off of a window <laughs> and uses it to break through the roof of his cell into the room above him. He then breaks through six separate doors before he's able to escape from the prison. Well, you know, that carpenter training probably... Yeah. Uh, he probably knew, like, weak spots and stuff <laughs> like that. Straight up, though. So, he's still got the chains attached to his, uh, to, his, to his legs because he can't get those off. He ends up paying someone uh, to break those off of him, and... And uh, he bails from the city once again. Now, you would think at this point that anyone, even Shepard, who was not a sensible man, anyone would get the hell out of Dodge. But, he did not. But nope. <laughs> Only a few, day, few days later, he goes back into the city. 
steals a bunch of money and nice clothes, and then goes, then proceeds to go on an alcohol-fueled sex bender. And as you do, <laughs> like you do, and like you do. <laughs> and so when authorities realize that homeboy's back in town, they go and find him, and they don't even have to try to arrest him because Shepard is so beyond inebriated. <laughs> so the authorities, unlike Shepard, have learned their lessons and place him in a cell where he is observed at all times with with 300 pounds of chain attached to him. Just fucking shoot him. Yeah, right? <laughs> so, as you can assume, he is sentenced to death, and a huge crowd gathers on the day of his execution, and they're all waiting to see their idol executed. Because he's a folk hero. People love him. It is yeah. said that a third of London's population was there. Oh, wow. Yeah. And this this is the end of Shepard. But he had one last trick up his sleeve. Because he was so small, like I said, he's about 5'6", the drop would not snap his neck. So there's two ways that you die when you're hung. The first yeah. is either your neck snaps or your... When you're hanged. Yeah, you're, yeah, when you're hanged. <laughs> um, so either your neck snaps or you suffocate, right? Um, yeah. But so because he was so small... His neck, his neck wasn't going to snap. There just wasn't enough weight on his body. So instead, he was going to suffocate. So the plan was for his friends to immediately grab his body after he's hung for the uh, allotted 15 minutes, take him to a doctor, and have him revive him. Jesus. It's a batshit crazy plan, but it's a plan. But this doesn't exactly go down how his friends plan. You see... The people in the crowd know how gallows work too. Okay. And they know that his neck's not going to snap. And the last thing that they want is to see their hero suffer. So as soon as the lever is pulled, the crowd rushes forward and begins to pull on his legs so that Shepard strangles quicker. <laughs> thus, not allowing his friends to get to his body. And thus, If you're one, if you're one of those friends, what do yeah. you... What, you, what expression is on your face? Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> Just walk away. Yeah, right? <laughs> so they're not able to get to him to be revived. And so Shepard, after four prison breaks, dies. And he yeah. dies because A people champ. just like him too damn much. That's the way to go. So the moral of the story, if there ever was one, is that the British really built some shitty prisons. I agree. That yeah. That's the moral of the story. But that is the story of Jack Shepard. Dude, that was a good fucking scroll. Thank you, sir. Thank you, thank you. Dude, let's 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 talk a bit about this. So Jack Shepard, he's a shepherd, was a carpenter, a carpenter. And then he fucking was killed for his magic pretty much, right? Sure. We can say that. This guy was Jesus. This guy was Jesus Christ. Come back. You're making some pretty... Uh, Those are pretty strong claims. The pretty strong claims are pretty challenging claims. Okay. Okay. Jesus also hung out with prostitutes. <laughs> God damn it, Dave. Dude, am I wrong? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well... Speaking of folk legends <laughs> and folk heroes... <laughs> Steven... <laughs> Would you like to introduce next week's topic to the listener? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so next week, 
the plan of attack, the theme we are going to do is local legends. Local legends. So what we're going to do is we are each going to pick a place for the other person. And they are going to have to find a local legends from that area. And they're going to tell about it. And we got this idea from a listener who emailed us. And um, he kind of, he gave us kind of his suggestion being micro history and i kind of took with it took it and ran with it a little bit but uh but i th- yeah i think i think local legends what do you think dave i think it's a good one and mm-hmm. we're also about to announce where each other will be yes so, steven i am picking for you um so you will have to do a local legend from from St. Petersburg. Ooh, I like it. <laughs> from St. Petersburg, Russia. From a Stalingrad. Well, or is that Leningrad? No, yeah, it's Leningrad. Stalingrad. Or from a Leningrad. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, can you squat? Yo, yeah, man. That's love I, squat. I, I, I can you got that Adidas tracksuit, bro. That's just going to uh, be the, the cover art for the next episode is me. Just the Slav squat. The Slav squat in the tracksuit. <laughs> oh, if you don't know about slop squatting, Google that shit, because it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> All hey, right, Steven. Yeah, so... Hit me. You are going to be... Mine's a little bit more broad. You are going to be a, doing a local legend from the great state of New Jersey. Oh, my God. That Jersey, Jersey Shore. It's just a Jersey thing! <laughs> Oh shit! Well, you heard it here, guys. So next week, we are going to Saint Petersburg, and we're going to the shore. Going to Jersey. Uh, so that's the plan for next week. I think it should be pretty fun. We'll see how it turns out. Uh, and that will be episode twenty-seven. But before we go, I have a few quick things to talk about. Uh, so first of all, I want to say thank you for everybody who listened and downloaded our two bonus episodes that we released while we were on our break. The first one was a crossover episode we did with our friends, Greg and Lauren from movie date night podcast. It's a lot of fun. I I had a really good time doing it. Uh, We talked about women, serial killers, and then we went on to their show and we talked about the movie and American crime and five points to Gryffindor. If you went and listened to their podcast. Yeah, Yeah, seriously. You, we will, we will give you a high five if we ever see you for doing that. We'll give you a high five in general, but like unless an you extra just like one. sneezed into your hand or something, that's right? What I, know, so I probably wouldn't do that then. Okay, well, um, so yeah, go listen to that. We also released a bonus episode of our of some of our favorite bloopers from this past season, which I honestly think out tur- think turned out really really well. <laughs> it was, it was. It was an experience editing that, but it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And, like, the good thing now is, I don't know if, if you've listened, uh, we didn't start saving those until, like, around episode 15. And now we have, now that we know, we can start saving them a lot sooner so that we can get some really just, like, premium goofs out of that, out of the I, I like, the forgot podcast. about all of those, like, all <laughs> those conversations. Yeah. And I don't I'll- remember the context of a lot no. of them which makes them funnier to me i know and like, i know which one you're talking about too <laughs> which one the steve Irwin one no i don't remember the context of the knock knock hitler joke oh that, i said that. that was history hangouts for world war ii 
Oh, is that like an... <laughs> I remember now. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. So I Hopefully lo- at the end of season two, if we structure it that way, yeah, we'll have some little goodies and extra episodes like that too. Yeah, and hopefully we'll have like, you know, kept, it, 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 it'll be good. It'll be good. We'll figure it, it out. It, I hate you so much. It, I hate you so much. It'll be good. Uh, so listen to those if you haven't already. Uh, they they turned out pretty well. Also, I want to give a very special shout out and thanks to uh, Rand Levy, who is a fellow podcaster. He does a podcast called Curious Minds. We'll be throwing that link in the description of this episode. And he offered to uh, review our episode. And he gave a really, really like super in-depth review and gave us a bunch of good constructive criticism and ways we can improve. And it was really, really awesome of him to do that. And I think it honestly, I think really helped us out a lot because it was some stuff we hadn't thought about. So it was awesome. So Rand Levy, um, go check out his podcast, Curious Minds. Let him know that we sent you and give him a thanks for us. Uh, And like I said, we'll be including that uh that link to his website in the description of this show but thanks ran really appreciate it yeah thanks a lot mr levy i drove my chevy to you but you were dry ah very good very very good i don't know what that means very good um so i think that's probably gonna do it for this episode oh wait a minute no it's not wait are we are you doing it yeah we were gonna make like a track that we're gonna play at the end (laughs) fuck Uh, so if you want to find us on, on the interwebs, we are in lots of places. You can find us on uh, Podbean, badhistorypodcast.podbean.com. You can find us on Facebook. Just type in Bad History Podcast. Find us there. Twitter, at Bad History Cast. Uh, email, badhistorypodcast at gmail.com. We are on iTunes. You can leave us a rating review, subscribe to our show, so we just kind of show up in your phone when we post a new episode. You can, uh, we're on Google Play Music. We are on TuneIn Radio. We are on Stitcher. We are all over the place. So you can find us in a bunch of different directories. Uh, you right, Dave? Sounds I, like Sorry, so- I died. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you're having an aneurysm. Uh, I wish. Yeah, I know. But guess what? That's it for my plugs. Uh, so, yeah, you can go check us out at all those places. But That's it for my plugs. <laughs> I think the show's over, Dave. Your butt plug. God, you're, you're, you're just <laughs> gross. You're so gross. Uh, so, anyway, I want to say thanks for listening, guys. Good scrolls and happy history. See y'all later. Later.